I want you to stand, if you will. Let's declare the faithfulness of God. Psalm 150. I hope you'll enter into it. Let's share it together this morning, this week of Thanksgiving. Would you say it along with me? Psalm 50. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. With Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Say it together. Praise the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. May His house be filled with praise. May our hearts echo that praise this morning. In the summer of 1988, I was invited to lunch at Earl and Evelyn's. I always thought if I was going to open a diner, Earl and Evelyn's would have been a good name for that. Earl and Evelyn, elderly couple at our church, so sweet, so, so wonderful. They invited me for lunch, cornbread, and beans. Oh, yeah. I want you to know Evelyn knew some things about cornbread and beans. I pulled up in front of their little house, and I thought that Earl must be having a sale or something because his front porch was covered with all kinds of items. And I made my way through those, knocked on the door. Earl and Evelyn came, welcomed me, and we had a wonderful, wonderful lunch together. And then, at the end of lunch, Earl said to me, Pastor, let's go out on the front porch. We went out there, and I was surprised as I looked at him, the tears coming up in his eyes and the tears on his cheeks. And he said, Pastor, you know we don't have much money. We get by on our social security. But we're so excited and thankful for our church, what God's doing there. We're excited about this auditorium we're going to be able to build. And Evelyn and I want to have a part in that offering. But pastor, we have so little. Then he said, but several months ago I got an idea, pastor. You know, I love to tinker with televisions and radios and appliances. So I started going to yard sales, auctions, even looking for appliances left out in trash. And I brought them here. And the last several months, I've been fixing them up. And I've been selling them here off the front porch. And, Pastor, I want to give you this. 
here's the money that I've been able to earn from doing this. It's not much, but I want to give this to that offering. Well, I thanked him, and I walked to my car, and I sat in it, and for a long time, I wept like a baby, overwhelmed at the heart, the love of this couple. Now, I want you to feel secure about this. I don't normally do this, but I made a copy of that check. (laughs) And I saved it. I still have it. And several years later, when I was honored to preach Earl's funeral, I was able to tell that story to his family and friends that had gathered. You know, I thought about that lunch. I thought about that front porch covered with appliances and over the years we've been blessed with a very generous congregation we've been blessed to have on this special day our Jehovah Jireh offering and over the last 34 years millions of dollars have been placed into this Jehovah Jireh chest. But I want you to know something. There has never been a bigger offering than Earl and Evelyn. Never. And I base that statement not out of sentimentality. I base that statement on the one who wrote the book of Numbers. He knows Numbers. And I base that statement on an audit that Jesus did of an offering. (laughs) Jesus audits offerings. And here in Luke chapter 21, Jesus gives a report about an offering. And as we have come to this passage, it's wonderful, we've come here on this Sunday, I want you to see that we have an understanding of the king's accounting. We've been talking about the king a lot. Following our king through the gospel of Luke. But here we see the king's accounting. How does Jesus keep score? How does Jesus carry out accounting in people's giving? So I want us to look at this passage we read this morning. And I want us to notice three things. As we listen to our Lord, as we, yes, participate in the offering this morning, but also as we think about our life and giving of our life, what the Lord says here is so applicable to every area of our life. Now, notice it begins with the king's observation. Would you see this? The king's observation. Verse 21 says, Jesus looked up. And he saw the rich. He saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. Now notice, Jesus observes, 
this offering. And he saw, his attention is drawn to a poor widow. And it says, he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. Now notice, these minutes are Jesus' last few minutes in the temple. In a few minutes, he's going to leave the temple and he's never going to return. And it's very interesting that as Jesus prepares to leave the temple, he deals with the same subject as when he arrived in the temple a few days earlier. Do you remember this? When Jesus came in and the triumphal entry, he went into the temple and what was his first focus? On the tables of the money changers. And he turned that whole system literally upside down, didn't he? As he overturned the tables and said, this is house is to be called a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. And he made a crushing pronouncement of judgment on the way money was being handled to perpetuate a religious business that kept people under bondage and fear. So he pronounced that judgment as he entered the temple and now a few days later after he's been in in the temple day in and day out, he is going to leave And once again, he's going to focus on money. He's in the treasury. And he's going to pronounce, though, a blessing on the right kind of giving to the Lord God. Now, it's interesting if you compare the accounts when... Mark tells us about this in the Gospel of Mark. It says that Jesus looked up. He looked up and saw the people giving to the treasury, the offering. You know what that means? That means that Jesus was sitting down and his head was down. Evidently, he's sitting down because he's just absolutely, completely fatigued. He has spent himself into weakness, teaching all week long, surrounded by adversaries, and even though he's only a young man, maybe around 33 years of age, he's so tired, he just sits, his head's down. Evidently, his eyes are closed. But then, maybe by the prompting of the Spirit, Jesus looks up, he looks up, and Jesus sees people giving to the offering. He sees, though, someone in particular giving. He sees someone who is just as exhausted as he is. He sees someone... Who is suffering. He he sees someone. Who is going to do about what he is going to do. Give his all. And here is Jesus with a cross before him. The shadow of it upon him already. Gethsemane already weighing into his soul. 
knowing that he must suffer and give all, his eyes look upon a poor widow who gives her all. And his heart responds with the applause of heaven. Now, Jesus saw how much everyone gave. He always does. Jesus knows how much everyone gives. But Luke tells us that this woman gave two small coins. She had two small coins and she placed them in. Now it's interesting, the word here is lepta. Lepta, it means actually thin. The thinnest of coins. And she gives two lepta. Now, how much is a lepta? What's a lepta worth so that we understand this? Well, uh, we're, we're told that a lepta was worth one, one four hundredth of a shekel. That, that just cleared it up for you, didn't it, right there? I mean, it's just absolutely as clear as can be now. A lepta is... One four hundredth of a shekel. A shekel was based on the value of silver. And of course the value of silver fluctuates. But today, if this woman were to come here and give her offering in the Jehovah Jireh chest, what she would give is two coins, each coin worth about 35 cents. This woman places 70 cents. In the offering. Now, you have to understand the scene of this. There's crowds everywhere. This is Passover. They're just people thronging into the temple. It's a noisy place with the animals. It's a noisy place with the singing of the choirs and the people praying out loud. And the, everybody believed that you had to pray with motion, so everybody's moving. <laughs> Tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people have come for Passover. They've come from all over the world. The Jews that are scattered around the known world. It's referred to as the diaspora, the dispersed ones. They, they've come, some of them, for the first time in their lives to see the holy city. Some of them have saved up for years in order to give to this offering during Passover week in Jerusalem. And many, no doubt, came with joy flooding out of their hearts and with sincerity, and they gave great gifts out of worshipful hearts. And others, no doubt, out of a show of pride-filled pseudo-piety, Gave so people could see them. Now also, this was going on in public. You have to understand, the treasury wasn't some curtain you walked behind. It was a very prominent place in the temple. It was, the giving was done publicly. And Jesus doesn't condemn this. He's not condemning here giving publicly. Never does. He condemns the spirit of the heart, not the place where you give. And we're told from scholars 
that the treasury had 13 boxes to receive the offering. And all the boxes were shaped like trumpets. Inverted trumpets with the, the big part of the trumpet on the ground going up and then a little opening at the top and people would put their coins down into that little hole and they would go, coins would go to the bigger hole. Well, why did they do that? Why not the bigger hole on top? So that people could get their arms in there. Some things never change. Come on. <laughs> and so the, you have to understand, there's 13, 13 lines of people coming by to give their offering. And some are dropping in a few coins. And other people have got bags. And they're just putting it in. It takes a while. Jesus is watching all this. He looked up and saw it. And he saw this woman. She wears the widow's garments. They're tattered because she's so poor. And the word poor here is not just the typical word for poor. This is destitute. This is means you don't have enough to exist on. That's what the word means to describe this woman. And so she comes, and in her tattered garments, she reaches into the little fold of her robe underneath the sash, pulls out two coins. She puts them in. Now, do you think anybody in the crowd noticed her gift? No, but her gift didn't go unnoticed. Nope. And as a matter of fact, Jesus called out his disciples. He's like, hey guys, you see this? He calls out his disciples to make sure they see it. And then by his Holy Spirit, years later, he's going to inspire some of his disciples to write it down so that you and me here, these centuries later, would have our attention called to this woman. It's the last lesson that Jesus is going to teach in the temple. Think about it. This is his last lesson. And it's an object lesson. It's a lesson of this widow and her giving. Giving. It is a lesson, listen, it is a lesson in math. It is a lesson in accounting. Kingdom math and kingdom accounting. That's what this lesson is about. And what our Lord shared was revolutionary. What our Lord shared about giving and the mathematics of giving and the accounting of giving, it, it was revolutionary. It turned generosity upside down. Or maybe we should say it turned generosity right side up. Listen. You've noticed the king's observation 
He sees it. Now, listen to the king's estimation. His estimation. Verse 3. And he said, Truly, I say to you, Amen. Amen. That's the word. Amen. I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. Now make sure you read that verse correctly and hear the Lord correctly. Notice what he did not say. Jesus did not say this woman has given more than any of them. He said she has given more than all of them. All of them put together. That means that if you amassed, if you amassed in a huge pile all the denarii, all the shekels, all the talents, all the lepta, all the silver, all the gold, all the precious gifts, and you put it in a huge pile on a balance. And then on the other side, you took these two coins and put them in this plate over here. Jesus says, what this woman has given is more than all of that. Wow. Now, let me say something here and then I'm going to come back to it. Jesus here is speaking spiritually. Listen carefully, church. He's making a spiritual truth. He's sharing a spiritual truth as he says, she's given more than all of them. But listen carefully. He is not speaking symbolically. He really means it. He is saying... In his estimation, and who else's estimation really matters? In his estimation, this widow has given more than everybody else. Now, how is that possible? How is it possible? How can Jesus make that kind of estimation? Well, it's because Jesus uses a different kind of math. He doesn't use uh, the math that's used on earth. He uses a different kind of math, listen carefully, and his math is based on a different kind of value system. A different kind of value system. And we need to be clear on that. That's the reason he can say this. Now... What is that value system? You've seen the king's observation. He's watched the people give. He's seen what this woman has given. He's made his divine estimation of who's given the most and more than any. Now, let's take a moment for the king's evaluation. The king's evaluation. 
How and why can Jesus say that? Well, look at verse 4. Jesus goes on. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she out of her poverty, her abject poverty. She has put in more. She's put in all that she had to live on. There is the king's evaluation. Everybody else has given out of their abundance. But this woman in her poverty has given all she has to live on. See, the Lord's value system is based on his vision. Let me say that again. The Lord's value system is based on his vision because God sees, the Lord sees what we don't see and he sees in a way that we don't see. The Bible says that man looks on what? The outward, but God looks where? On the heart. Amen. On the heart. And our Lord, yes, he measures the money. He's very clear. This is how much has been given. And he wants it written down. This woman has given to Lepta. He measures the money, but what he's really concerned about is the motive of why the money was given. He doesn't measure the amount as much as he measures the motive. Of why it was given. Now what did the Lord see? What did he see in this woman's giving. That made him say. She has given more than all combined. Let me share with you. And it's a lesson for what we need to ask the Lord. To show us about our giving. Number one. The Lord said this because. This poor widow's giving was sacrificial giving. It was sacrificial giving. Notice everyone else that he had seen gave out of their abundance. They, they had enough to get by. They had more. But this woman gives out of her poverty, her extreme poverty. Others are, are giving out of what they, they have, and they'll, they'll be fine. But this, this woman is giving out of her poverty. This giving is going to cost her. You see, the giving that the Lord values, listen carefully, brothers and sisters, the giving that the Lord values is the giving that costs us something. The principle of that is from the life of David. <laughs> you remember David purchased the property on which the temple was built. You remember this? But guess what? He didn't have to purchase it because the man who owned it offered it to King David as a gift. He said, your majesty, you don't, even, you don't have to buy this. I will give you this land. And what was David's response? Here, listen here. I will not offer to my Lord 
that which cost me nothing. I will not offer to my Lord that which cost me nothing. You see, friend, there is a difference between giving and giving that is a sacrifice. I heard the story about a little boy in Sunday school. And the teacher was bringing a lesson about this very thing. Giving and offering and sacrificial giving. And so the teacher, she had taught that lesson, she said to the class, does this remind you of anything, boys and girls? And one little boy with his arm waving couldn't wait and said, breakfast. She said, what do you mean, breakfast? He said, bacon and eggs. And she said, I don't understand. He said, don't you understand? For the chicken, it's an offering. For the pig, it's a sacrifice, teacher. (laughs) Good morning, church. That's all some of you are going to get. Take it with you. All right. Just as corny as Kansas in August, I know. This dear woman sacrificed. I I saw this this week. I'd never thought of it before. It says she had two coins. It's all she's got. And she gave both of them. What if she just given one? Amazing. But she gave both both all she had you see we have to ask ourselves and the Lord rarely commands someone to give everything they have financially I understand that rarely on occasion in his will yes but generally he he doesn't ask people to give everything But we have to ask ourselves, is our level of giving to the Lord costing us anything? Are we offering to the Lord that which costs us nothing? Are we offering to the Lord out of our abundance? What would be the vernacular today for the abundance? The vernacular would be leftovers. Are we offering to the Lord our leftovers after we've taken care of everything we think we might need now or want to enjoy now and then we've laid up for our future so that we'll have enough then when we've done all of that, then if there's anything left over. Here you go, Lord. We have to ask ourselves, am I giving the first fruits? To God or am I giving leftovers? What else did the Lord see? He saw her giving was sacrificial giving. Notice, secondly, that her giving was submissive and surrendered giving. Surrendered giving. Verse 4, listen to Jesus. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she out of her poverty put in all she had To live on. All she had to live on. 
what is this? This is reflecting her life. She is a widow. There, there is no social contract in Israel at that time. There is no safety net. There is no welfare system, social security, survivor's benefits. Nothing. Only the care of your family, and if you don't have the care of your family, then you are utterly dependent upon others. And this woman, in giving her last 70 cents, is saying, as a widow who has no one else to entrust her life to, Oh, mighty God of Israel, I trust you, who is the husband of widows and the father to the fatherless. That's what she's saying. That's what she's saying. Giving does not begin with your silver. Giving begins with giving yourself. Remember what Paul said about the Macedonians who were so poor? Poor. And he said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. And this, that is the way they gave, not as we expected, but they gave themselves, what's the next word? First to the Lord and then to us. Before they gave their offering, it was like they stood into the offering plate for this offering being made for the poor in Israel. And before they gave their money, they gave themselves. Brothers and sisters, this morning, does Jesus want our money? Does he need our money? I mean, is Jesus a little short of cash? No. Jesus doesn't want our money. He wants us. And if he has us, he has our money. He has everything. If he has us. But if Jesus doesn't have our money, he doesn't have our hearts. What did he say? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also if Jesus doesn't have our money then we need to stop talking and singing as if he has our hearts because if he does not have our hearts he doesn't have our money if our money doesn't show not where our mouth is it shows where our heart is Jesus doesn't need the money that's the reason if people don't want to give guess what they shouldn't give No one should be forced to give. It should come from the heart as an expression of worship. But if we do not give, my friends, listen, if we do not give sacrificially to our wonderful God, the loss is not His, the loss is ours. The loss is ours. What does Jesus value in giving? Notice, He values a sacrificial giving. He values submissive and surrendered giving. And he values that because when you put sacrificial and surrendered and submissive together, what do you have? Sacred. He values 
sacred giving. You see, this woman's offering was worship. It was worship. What is worship? Worship is this. Listen, if I were to define worship for you, this is what worship is. Worship is love-inspired, love-inspired response to God. That's worship. Love-inspired, not fear-inspired, not not manipulative-inspired, not let's earn some points inspired. No, it's love inspired. God has loved me, a sinner, and he's given his son for me, who has taken my place and given me everlasting life. He has loved me with an everlasting love, and I now have responded. I love him, and what I do, I do out of love. Thanksgiving. Every day should be thanksgiving for a Christian, right? 2 Corinthians 9.15 Thanks be to God for His indescribable, inexpressible gift. Love-inspired worship defines our giving, but really it defines our living. You see, Paul said in Romans 12.1 We are to present our bodies as what? Living sacrifices, which is our reasonable act of worship, devotion. See, our lives. Giving is not just something you do financially. Giving is your entire life. (laughs) Living. (laughs) And ultimately, that is what is going to be judged someday. Are living for God. That's what will be put in the scales. You know, this week I read a passage in 1 Corinthians. It, it really touched my heart. It touched my heart so much that I actually put it out on my Twitter account. I tweeted it. Aren't you impressed that I know how to tweet? I like Twitter. Facebook, not so much. I posted it on Twitter. And I want you to listen to Paul's challenge. It spoke to my heart this this week, and I want you to listen to the word of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his condemnation or commendation from the Lord. Do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes. He will bring to light the things now hidden 
in darkness. He will disclose the purposes of our hearts. And then each one will receive his commendation from God. Selah. Stop. Pause. Think. Meditate. Act upon the word of the Lord. Our lives will be audited one day. Like the widow's offering. Audited by the king's observation. What he has seen and known. By the king's estimation. It's worth before his all-seeing eyes. And the king's evaluation. And the Lord loves those that are sacrificial in their giving, surrendered in their giving, sacred in their giving. But there's one other quality I just must mention as we close. And I said it earlier that I would come back to the king's estimation. This is how the widow with her two coins gave more than all the others combined. Remember what I said. Remember, Jesus is speaking spiritually for a spiritual lesson, but he's not speaking symbolically. He really meant what he said. This woman has given more than all the other combined. How's that possible? Listen carefully. Her two coins that he observed and noted and had written in his word, her two coins became two seeds that have brought a harvest of generosity. For 1,988 years since this woman put all she had, 70 cents, into the offering. Her example has been seen by millions of followers of Jesus and has produced billions in giving. Because people were stirred by her example, motivated by her example, so this woman's two little coins has produced billions of dollars for the kingdom. See, that's the way it works in the kingdom. Just a little different than the way it works in our culture. Her two coins started an avalanche. (laughs) You know, just one more snowflake. Her two coins started an avalanche of generosity that's lasted to this very day. This is the king's accounting. Now let me tell you something. I've always loved math. Always have. And honestly, it's always very good in math until I got into geometry. That's totally wrong. (laughs) Makes no sense whatsoever. 
because you can get the right answer, but you don't get it the right way, it's wrong. I don't understand that. But I love math. But now listen, church, bear with me for a moment. Where did I get my earliest math lessons? I got my earliest math lessons in Lutheran math. Lutheran math. You say, did you go to a Baptist church or Lutheran church? Did you have a Lutheran math book? What are you saying? No, 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 no. I, I learned math in Lutheran math from my esteemed professor, Luther C. Polson, Ph.D., a.k.a. Dad, Dr. Luther. Where was my classroom? Listen, moms and dads, grandparents. You know where my first classroom was for mathematics? It was at the kitchen table in that little 900-square-foot shotgun house. Shotgun because they said you could shoot a shotgun from the front door, go through the back door, just straight through. Let me tell you about my dad's math lessons. Dr. Luther's lesson plan. What was his lesson plan? Here's his lesson plan. He came home with his lunch bucket from Chrysler. He worked at the Chrysler plant for 33 years. He'd sit down. He'd pull out his paycheck. I still remember it. Light blue, Chrysler Corporation. He'd spread it out and he'd say, Okay, son. Now, let's figure out what we're going to give to the Lord. You got a pencil there, son? Get a pencil, son. You ready? Get it. Get, get a piece of paper. I get one of those little spiral things. Got my big old pencil. He said, now, son, look here. You see that word up here? That says gross pay. I thought, that's gross, Dad. Yeah, that's <laughs> gross pay. That means everything I earned this week. Now, this net pay is after they take out taxes and all that. That's what I bring home. So, son, which should we figure out our giving on? I'm thinking, well, for me, but... Listening to Dad, he said, you know, if we want to be blessed on the gross or we want to be blessed on the net. <laughs> so, let's take that top number, son. And he'd say, now, son, take that number. I want you to figure out what's 10% of that. And I'd get my pencil, I'd start working. And then I'd show it to him. He'd say, well, you know, that looks about right. He said, now, son, that's a tithe. You know that 10%, that's a tithe. Give our tithe to the Lord. He said, but you know, we need to give an offering too. And son, the Lord's been so good to us. He said, I tell you what, and sometimes, why don't you just take another 5%, just take another 5%, son, and I figure that out. He said, that looks good. I remember when he'd bring home his vacation pay. Got a separate check at vacation time. I, I thought it was the biggest number I'd ever seen in my life. And he'd say, son, look here. Vacation pay. Looking forward to our vacation. But listen, God's blessed us. Now get that pencil out. And I'd do the same thing. What a teacher. 
What a book. The book of Luther. See, my dad wasn't trying to hide how much he made, what he gave. He wanted me to know what lessons I learned. What did I learn from Dr. Luther in math class? Here's what I learned. Number one, God owns everything. I learned that from my dad. Number two, God is good and generous. I learned it from my dad. And I learned number three, God provides. Before I knew the Hebrew word Jehovah Jireh, I knew what it meant. God provides. And I learned from my dad, God is worthy. He's worthy. And I learned something else. I learned, I want to give like my dad. And by the grace of God I have, from the first job I had as a teenager at Kenny Eaton's Market, to this very day, I'm here to testify to the glory of my Father's God who is my God, and he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Father God, you are Jehovah Jireh. You provide your grace is sufficient for every need. Whatever we need, Lord, your grace is sufficient. And I thank you that you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And I pray, O oh Lord, now that we learn from you, Lord Jesus, this message you have for us today. That Lord, the law of sowing and reaping is so true. And you provide as we trust you. But most of all, you give us a harvest of joy. And we know you. Jehovah Jireh. Now, Lord, as we come, those who are led to give and give here, Lord, we pray that you will be blessed. We pray that as we desire to continue to see boys and girls come to know Jesus and follow him, Lord, that we give not just for this, our generation, we give for the generation to come. Because your church will not fail as it follows you. And Lord, we give to the witness of Jesus now and the witness to come. Help us, O oh God. We bless you. We praise you. We thank you that we can remember all you've done for us. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.